And Father God, we do just come before you amazed this morning that you would call us your daughters and sons. That you would call us your children. That we would get to be a part of your family. God, we are humbled this morning and we praise you. May we honor you. May we proclaim you. May we demonstrate you, Jesus, with our lives together. Please work in this time. Please move amongst us, Holy Spirit. Continue to change us and transform us into your image. Have your way with us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's been uh, two weeks since we gathered here together because of the neighborhood feast. And so I want to ask who remembers what we talked about last time. Who remembers? Dago. Say again. Community. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am, Carl. We are to be like children mm-hmm. desire the Wow, that's good. To be like children desiring the spiritual milk of what? What's the spiritual milk? The gospel, the word, it's good news, right? Now, I want you to be honest. That was impressive. Dago, that was good. You were right on. It's about community, about relationships. And then Carla, you went very specific. That was impressive. We talked about family. Ah, uh-huh. Thank you, I'd forgotten that. Right? Are we a bunch of relatives? Or are we family? Okay, now you guys are starting to think about it. You're starting to try to remember. But I want you to be honest. What you actually remembered to begin with. And maybe you can't remember now. Uh, Most of us heard, right? We heard what was said. Uh, Some of us listened. And probably a few of us still remember. I'm just being honest. Is that the reality of life? Because that's the reality of how our minds work. Because listening is hard, right? We all know that because we were all children and now we're all adults and listening was hard then and listening is hard now. And even listening to me, you're only using a certain percentage of your brain and so that allows all this other part of your brain to think about other things. And you have to redirect your brain to even pay attention again and to listen. 
And that is a skill that requires effort, it requires practice, it requires even strategy to be able to listen, and even more difficult to remember. I remember being presented with a study that for a 10-minute presentation, if someone speaks for 10 minutes, you will only remember a half of what they said. They're going to speak for 10 minutes and you're going to remember 5 minutes worth of content. And then two days later, you're only going to remember 25% of what they said. They spoke for 10 minutes, but you're going to remember maybe 2 to 3 minutes of what they said. And then a week later, if you haven't reviewed it, if you haven't thought about it again, if you haven't studied that or reconsidered that information, 5%. Until we just forget. I experienced this yesterday. In real time. And this... I'll be honest, it's happening to me more and more often. We went to the California Science Center for a visit with our, our foster daughter and her, her family. And we're meeting with her family there, her parents, her grandmother. And I took my glasses. But I did not come home with my glasses. And so I'm up here this morning, right? You guys, by the way, you guys look good. Right? You look really good this morning. I don't know what it is, but you look great. But I lost my glasses. And I didn't realize that I had lost my glasses because I don't wear them all the time. Because I have a weak prescription, right? Very weak. But on the way back, we realized it. And so what did I start to do? I started to think through, right? Try to remember every step that we had taken over the last two to three hours. I dropped off Nidia and I turned around from Canoga going back to Exposition Park, going back to USC, going back downtown. And we had stopped once for an emergency pee-pee break. So I had to go the, the wrong way, the, where traffic was most difficult, pull off on that exit and check where we had had a pee-pee on the side of the road. No glasses. And as I'm returning, and I've got to think about, where did we park? Where did we park? Where did we walk? What's the path that we took? And when I got inside, what did we do? And so I started thinking about it, and I reviewed it in my mind on the way down. But then once I got there, what did I do? Melanie tells this to her boys all the time. I hear her. What does she say, Emmanuel? 
Retrace your steps, right? I lost something, I forgot something, retrace your steps. And so I try to park in the exact same spot and I'm walking up and down the street, right? I, I probably look like I'm not in my right mind, right? I'm, I'm walking around, I'm looking up, I'm looking over, just up and down the streets, people are staring at me, I can't find it where we parked. So I start to go and I make the turn and I go through the campus and exhibition park and I'm looking around like this as I go. And I don't have my glasses, of course, to find my glasses. I go inside, I ask questions, I go back to the bathroom, I go to the, the, the food court, I go to the information desk. And as I'm there, I remember, oh yeah. I walked in, got us a cup of coffee. So I had to walk out of the building and walk down the street and go to get the coffee shop, see if I had left them there, and then come back to the park, back to the science center. I didn't find my glasses. But I remember now so much about our visit. Those two hours now, I can remember almost everything about those two hours, everything that we did. I remember what I was looking at on my phone. I remember the conversations that Nita and I had, but I can't remember where my glasses are. All that, to give you an example, that we all have memory issues. We all do. We all need to remember. We all need to review, to think through, to, to, to consider what we've heard, what we believe, what we think. And then we should all not just remember that with our minds, but we should walk through, right? We should go back to and experience that again and remember all the details and the things that we have forgotten. And if we did that regularly, we would remember more. So that's what I want us to do this morning, is to remember, is to review, and even to experience uh, these relationships that we've been talking about having, continuing to consider either beginning or continuing a committed relationship with Livingstone's Piedras Vivas. What does that mean to be a part of LSPV? Okay, so everybody's thinking. You're trying to remember. Who remembers what I showed two weeks ago, a, a graph or a, a picture, a design? Dago, you can't answer again. Dago was listening and he's, he's a young, young man. Anyone else? No one remembers? Carla remembers, she's shaking her head. Oh my goodness. Anybody else? Does this help? What was it, Dago? A triangle. Right? Remember this triangle about these types of relationships that we have at Livingstone's Piedras Vivas. This is not 
to be cute, it's not to put on a website, it's to help us, right? To help us remember. When we think about our relationships, oh yeah, the triangle. And then from the triangle, remember what? Our relationships up, right, with God. Inward with each other. Outward with our neighbors. That we're gospel driven. We're church centered. And we're neighbor focused in our relationships. All of our relationships, in one way or another, fit in or are connected to a combination of these relationships with God, with each other, and with our neighbors. And so with those in mind, I want us to read again the passage. With those relationships in mind, with those values in mind, I want us to read. And instead of me reading, I want someone else to read. So, if you're willing to read, because I want you to participate, I want you to experience, I want you to be a part. So I want to have someone else read. Who wants to read? In English, in Spanish, either one can go first. As long as you can see the passage, who's going to read? Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, in Spanish. Who wants to read in Spanish? Lourdes. Primera de Pedro 2, 2.5 Deseen con ansia la leche pura de la palabra, como niños recién nacidos, así, por medio de ella crecerán en su salvación, ahora que han probado lo bueno que es el Señor. Cristo es la piedra viva, rechazada por los seres humanos, pero escogida y preciosa ante Dios. Al acercarse a Él, también ustedes son como piedras vivas, con las cuales se está edificando una casa espiritual. De este modo, llegan a ser un sacerdocio santo, para ofrecer sacrificios espirituales que Dios acepta por medio de Jesucristo. Amén. So hopefully you heard again, as we read that passage, those three types of relationships, right? Gospel-driven, church-centered, neighbor-focused. Last time we walked through and talked about the gospel-driven peace that Carla remembered, right? That we would crave, that we would desire, that we would pursue the gospel. So that what? What does the passage say? We would pursue the gospel, we would desire the gospel, so that what? So we would grow up into our salvation. We would grow up into our salvation, that we would be fed by the gospel, we'd be nourished by the gospel, so that we could grow up into a bigger, greater salvation. And I think that we see salvation so narrow, so limited. In many ways, that's what the church has communicated. 
And it limits our desire for the gospel. Salvation is so limited and so individualized. Why then am I going to pursue it more? If I have it, if I have this promise of heaven, what good is the gospel until I get to heaven? What good is it now? And we've got to see salvation as something bigger, something greater, something with more magnitude, something that is coming in its fullness, and then we would desire the gospel now. We would crave it like newborn babies. We would desire the life of Jesus. We would pursue and be encouraged by the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the kingdom that Jesus is establishing. We would want it. We would desire it. We would crave it. And being gospel-driven, God would redeem and God would restore our relationships individually and collectively. He would redeem and restore our relationships personally and publicly with God and with others. We would be reconciled. We would be reconciling. It's a process that we are in. We have to see salvation bigger and continue to pursue it through the gospel. And the gospel would drive us, would move us, would change us. Through shared relationships. Through systems, through structures. In so many ways, the gospel will change. The gospel will transform. Not just us, but our neighbors and our society, all of creation. All of creation. That's what this says. That's what this, this salvation is about. It's not just about me and God. It's not just about you and God. It's bigger than that. It's more than that. If we don't see that, if we don't understand that, we will not desire the gospel. We will not crave it. We have to be gospel-driven. So as the passage says, we come to Him. Right? We come to Jesus. We come to the living stone. Because we're gospel-driven. And so we are like living stones. We're like Jesus. We have a design and we have a purpose. We have a design, we have a purpose. Look at the beginning of verse 5. You, you also, like living stones, here's the design, are being built into a spiritual house. That's our design. If we're gospel-driven, if we come to Jesus, then we together are going to be built into a spiritual house. And that word there in the Greek is oikos. And I say that because it's translated in so many different ways as you look at this passage and as you see it used throughout the scriptures. 
And if you look at a different translation, you'll see a different word that has a little bit different meaning. It can mean a spiritual building. It can mean a spiritual temple. It can mean a spiritual household or even a spiritual family. And as I've studied this many different times now, I believe it's a combination and a connection of all of that. Uh, that it's not just one understanding, one idea, that it's used in this way so that it is bigger, right? But just one little meaning, one context, that, that, that Peter wants us to understand it in all of those ways. Think about for the Hebrew people, for the family of God. Where did the Spirit of God dwell? Where did the Spirit of God live? When the, and amongst the Hebrew people, where did the Spirit of God dwell? In the tabernacle, in the temple, right? The Spirit of God, God's presence was in the temple. Now for us, for the church, for the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, where does the Spirit of God dwell now? Where does God's presence live now? And believers. In us. We're the temple. Okay, do you see this? It's saying, uh, in their understanding of the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, the presence of God lived in the temple. Now, you are being built together. Okay? You, the church, are now the temple of the presence of God. God is going to live amongst us and in us and be seen through us to the world. We're the temple. But that... Is our design, but we're designed and built together as what? A spiritual family. This extended family, this household. And we're all connected to one another. It's a design that requires us to be connected and fit together. We can't be a temple. We can't be a family if we are disconnected, if we are separated, if we are divided, if we are on our own. You can't be isolated and be a living stone. A living stone on its own is useless. It's, it's, it's not, it's not going to be built together. It's just a stone. It needs to be fit into the design that God has, and that is His church, that is this extended family. For us, that's living stones. And we need to remember we're church centered. If we're gospel driven, if we come to Him, then we're going to be built together. We're going to be church centered. Us, as a family, together. I don't want us just to listen. 
I don't want us just to review, but I want us to do something that we would actually experience that. I want us to walk through this experience together. Now, right now, the way you guys are sitting, I don't sit like that with my family at home. Right? If I'm with my family at home and we're going to be together, how do we sit? <laughs> right? In my easy chair. Uh, right? Around the, the living room, this, in, in some space where we can gather together. But do we all look in the same direction out the window? No, we sit around the table or we sit in a room together. What? Where we can see each other. So, what I want you guys to do is if we're being built together as a spiritual family, as a spiritual household, a, a temple for the presence of God to live, and we have to be connected to one another and together in relationship, I want you guys to sit in a different way. Arrange the room however you want that we would demonstrate that and we would experience that togetherness. Built together, connected. Now, with your chairs, move around, help people that need help, move to where you think you should go, and get in a position, get in a structure that demonstrates this. You guys ready? Now don't look at me. Look at each other. Don't look at me. Marie says, aren't you going to come sit with us? No, I just want you to listen to me, but I want you to look at each other. We're to be built together as a family. Connected together. Next to each other. Supporting each other. Caring for each other. Loving each other. Meeting each other's needs. That's our design. That's how Jesus, that's how the gospel moves us to be built together. And it may feel a little uncomfortable. As we sit in this way, as we sit in a different design. But I think this design better reflects what we're to be. We're to be a family. We're to be church-centered in our relationships. Now, but if we're gospel-driven, will we just be church-centered? Is that the only direction our relationships are going to take? If we're gospel-driven, then we're going to be church-centered? What's the other direction? Out to our neighbors, right? That we would be neighbor-focused also. 
Not just us, right? But also us and, both and, our neighbors. Now, so do you think that there's a little bit better situation, arrangement of your chairs, a design that would allow you to be both inward focused and outward focused? How, how can you guys arrange this where you can be inward focused, okay, on each other, but also be outward focused on those outside? How can you turn? How can you change? How are we going to be both? Most churches, honestly, we don't do this well. Most churches don't do this well. How can we do both? We're either church-centered or we're neighbor-focused. Or, But how can you change your position now to remember this? Have an opening on both ends and a few empty chairs in between so they can be invited and welcome. So maybe there's a space, an, a, there's a space to come in. There's empty chairs, right? We always make sure there's empty chairs. If you know someone else, if you've invited others to come join us, then you'd have a place for them, right? What if we all just turned our chairs where you could see in? And you can see out. Right? Where you can go both directions. Right now, right, to, to go out, it's really uncomfortable. It's really difficult, right? If you're facing in only, it's difficult to then turn all the way around. So why don't we all turn our chairs? We're looking at the back of someone. Turn your chairs. Turn your chairs. So you can remember. I want you to remember. Just, just, just rotate. Just rotate your chairs. We don't all have to be going in the same direction, okay? And I will point out, this is messy, okay? This is not neat. Like, you guys don't make nice circles. That's okay. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to be just right. But we need to be prepared to be both church-centered, right? And neighbor-focused. To be able to adapt, to be able to do both at the same time. Remember this. Remember how you're sitting. Remember, those are our relationships. That's what it means to be a part of living stones. You're part of Piedras Vivas. Now hold that spot. And I want to look again at the passage and finish. What is it we're to do now if we're going to be church-centered and neighbor-focused? As we're neighbor-focused, what is it? What's our purpose? Look at the passage again. What's our purpose? Look at the end of verse 5. Being built to a spiritual house to what? To be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. Now, is that say is that communicating we're to be a bunch of individual priests that make our own sacrifices? 
We're one priesthood, right? We're a body of priests. Think about back to the Hebrew people, back to the family of God before Jesus. This priesthood, one priest could not make all the sacrifices required. They did it collectively, together, as a priesthood, a tribe amongst Israel. They had to rely on each other to make these sacrifices. They had to do it together. And these sacrifices would, uh, would, would proclaim and would hold on to, right, the presence of God. Would bring the presence of God, right, amongst their people. God would stay with them and that would be a blessing to them. And it would also be a blessing to who? To the nations, to others, right? From the very beginning, when God comes to Abraham, He said, I'm going to bless you, not just to be a blessing to yourself, but to be a blessing to the nations, to all the ethne, to all the peoples. And we're continuing that. That story that began back in Genesis 12 with Abraham, we're continuing that. And now we're the temple. And we're this priesthood. And on behalf of the world, on behalf of others, on behalf of our society, we're making sacrifices, representing people to God and God to the people. So that they might be blessed by His presence. Do you guys like get this? Like This is just overwhelming to me. This is what we are. This is what living stones are. And what is the sacrifice? And for the Hebrew people, it required what? The sacrifice of life. What does Jesus say? If you come and if you follow me, you must what? Give up your life. You must sacrifice. As we've been reading Romans and studying Romans 12, what is it? We together are a collective sacrifice. Our shared life is the sacrifice. That's what we're doing. Our shared life together, loving each other, loving God, and loving others. That's, that's the point. That's the sacrifice. That's what we're doing. That's our purpose as living stones. Sorry, I'm excited. <laughs> it would change us. It would change our neighbors. It would change this neighborhood. It would change our society. It would change, and it will change, all of creation. Think big. Not about us, but about God and His great salvation. We get to participate in that. We are built for that. And we have a purpose in that. That's what it means to be a living stone and to be a part of living stones.